Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of this day, for this holy season of Lent, for the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius. And especially today, as we dive deeper into the discernment of spirits, may you help us to recognize your movements in our heart, so that we may always understand them and accept them. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so um, this is just a reminder from the uh, little prelude that he puts at the top of the discernment of spirits. Um, These three things are important in what's going on. So we are be, be aware, becoming aware of what's going on in our heart, whether it's the spiritual consolation or spiritual desolation. So that's when we come to understand what is it, which one is it, where's it, where's my heart moving, and then we're able to take action whenever we recognize it. So we accept spiritual consolation because that's from God, and we reject spiritual desolation uh, because that's from the enemy. And so uh, last week we went through the two different persons that Ignatius has, the one uh, moving away from God by uh, moral sin after moral sin, and how the spirits work in contrary ways. And then also we've got uh, those who are moving closer to God, uh, desiring to purify themselves uh, more and more in the service and love of God, and so how the spirits work contrary in that way as well. That's always the key with Ignatius. They work in contrary ways. Um, And so then we looked at spiritual consolation, which is that interior movement uh, of the soul. So it's inflamed with love for for God. It loves created things insofar as they're uh, gifts from God. And sometimes you're moved to tears for love of the Lord, for sorrow for sins, uh, even uh, for the passion of Jesus and other things that are directed to growing in love of God. And there's a, it includes every increase of faith, hope, and love. And there's this interior joy uh, that attracts us to heavenly things for the salvation of our souls. And there's a quiet and peace in the Lord. That's the spiritual consolation. Those, those are some of the things that are uh, going on when we experience spiritual consolation. And then spiritual desolation is the exact opposite of that. Just as the spirits work in the opposite ways, so desolation will be the opposite of spiritual consolation. So in that interior movement, there's a darkness of soul, disturbance in the spiritual life. There's a movement to low and earthly things. Uh, I always think of, uh, when I think of low and earthly things, it's like, well, I don't really feel like praying kind of thing. I'd prefer to watch Netflix or eat a pizza or, you know, all the other things that pop into our, our minds. Like, I'd rather do that right now. There's that movement to low and earthly things. And then there's this disquiet uh, in our heart. There's agitations, temptations show up more frequently at that time. And it moves, to a, moves us sometimes to a lack of confidence without hope, without love. And we feel just kind of slothful, tepid, sad, as if, he says, separated from God. So we feel as if we're separated from God because we never are. Um, It's just that we experience that in the moment. Um, So I want to recognize that, again, this is 
There's no shame in experiencing these things. That's just the normal state of the spiritual journey. Uh, there's the ebb and flow of spiritual consolation and spiritual desolation. Uh, one comes from God and the other comes uh, and is allowed by God from the enemy. So spiritual desolation is our most difficult um, issue in the spiritual journey. It's easy to pray when you're in consolation. All right, Consolation is pretty easy to, to know what to do. Uh, but spiritual desolation, on the other hand, is a completely different thing. And that's why the next um, many rules will be about what do I do when I'm in that spiritual desolation? How do I respond? Uh, and so we're going to go through those today. And that starts with rule five, which I briefly mentioned for our sake, that rule five is... One of the most important ones, if not the most important rule, that will help us through uh, almost all times of spiritual desolation in that darkness. And that is, you never change anything. I mean, it's, you can recognize the wisdom in this because it's kind of the same in just our uh, earthly life, right? Whenever you're just discouraged and everything else, I mean, say at work, you're just discouraged by the way things are going and this and that, you're just like, I'm quitting, I'm out, right? That's probably not the best time to make that decision. And normally, if you do it a week or two later, you're going to be like, well, maybe that was a little jump in the gun kind of thing. So it's the same way with the spiritual life. Like whenever you're feeling like, I don't want to pray, I don't want to do this, like God doesn't love me. Uh, it's time to take a step back and say, nope, I'm not changing the spiritual practices that I've put into place. Um, I will continue to do what I had promised to do. So let's say that uh, in, the, in the afternoon, you know, maybe on your lunch break, you like to pray the daytime uh, liturgy of the hours. Right? It's only a few moments, but you find that very helpful uh, in your day. And something... You know, you're kind of reprimanded by the boss this morning and things weren't going well and there's that non-spiritual desolation that kind of sets in in that moment. And then if you don't watch it, if you don't watch that, what it's doing, it can easily become spiritual desolation because you can get to noon and be like, you know, I'd rather just kind of scroll through the news on, online and eat rather than pray daytime prayer. Um, We've all experienced that in whatever way. And it's in that moment that we have to remember Rule 5. No, I pray this every day, and it brings me great solace and comfort to remind myself that God is with me at this time. And so that's uh, paying attention, right? Becoming aware of the movements of my heart, understanding like, ah, this is, okay, this is spiritual desolation, trying to keep me from doing what I had already, uh, what I already practiced. And so we take action, and we reject that, and we pray. And many times, uh, that spiritual desolation will begin to lift already by that action of rejecting it and praying, as I had promised to. Um, and that's one of the beauties of Rule 5. Where is it here? So never change a spiritual proposal. As a matter of fact, you want to help yourself be firm and constant in that proposal, um, uh, recognizing that you had set that in a time of consolation. You had set that with great discernment already, and 
this little moment of desolation is not going to undo all of that. Uh, and why would we say no to it? Why would we reject it? Right? So that goes back to rule four. Whenever Ignatius, there they are. When at the end, Ignatius says, For just as in consolation is contrary to desolation, in the same way the thoughts that come from consolation are contrary to the thoughts that come from desolation. All right, so the, uh, and then he says at the end of Rule 5, It is in consolation that the good spirit guides and counsels us more, so in desolation the bad spirit, with whose counsels we cannot find the right decision. So in this time of spiritual desolation, it's the bad spirit who's trying to counsel us. And of course, we do not want to listen to him. So that's why number five is so important. We reject it because it's him trying to counsel us. Now, you know, you don't want to pray. Like, you don't feel like it. Just, uh, you know, just go to the low and earthly things and read the news and get all upset. And the rest of your day is just awful. Um, so he's the one trying to counsel and he is never going to counsel you, counsel you in a good way. So... Uh, number five is extremely important for rejecting that. And then um, it also helps us just avoid other pitfalls in uh, spiritual desolation. And it alerts us to the tactics uh, of the evil spirit. So it has great potential for spiritual harm. I, I know there's, um, and it can be a great obstacle of our growth toward in the spiritual journey and toward God. Because there'll be times, you know, when somebody gets into a prayer life and is really, uh, you know, God's very gracious and he, there's a lot of consolation and stuff in the beginning. And then all of a sudden we hit this dryness and this, this spiritual desolation kicks in. And if you don't know these rules, if you don't know this is a normal thing in the spiritual journey, you can immediately think, well, God doesn't love me. I've done something wrong. Like the darkness that sets in covers everything. And then it tries to get us to go away from prayer. And it's in those moments we need to recognize, no, I got to stay strong in this and it will lift. It will go. Um, but it can be very harmful because it can keep people from praying. It can get them to give up altogether thinking, well, maybe those consolations weren't a thing. They were just all a figment of my imagination. Like all that stuff kicks into our uh, brain and it's all from the evil one trying to lead us away from, uh, from the Lord. And so what happens though is when we uh, become aware of them, when we understand it and we take action, uh, they harm us less to the point of that they're actually transformed into lessons uh, where we learn how to combat the evil one. And the Lord, and we'll get to that, but the Lord uh, has reasons why he allows this to happen in our spiritual journey. That would be rule uh, seven, I believe. And so when, cons when, when you're in a state of spiritual desolation, or actually when you're considering changing anything in your spiritual life, ask yourself two questions. Am I now in a time of spiritual desolation? All right. And then the second question Am I considering changing a spiritual proposal in place before the desolation begin? So if, these, if the answer is yes, then put rule five into action and say, no, that's not what I'm going to do. I reject changing something in the state of spiritual desolation. It will not work. Um, and then also just to recognize like rule 
5 helps us because desolation is like these spiritual sunglasses that are completely dark and it color, colors your past uh, and your future. I, I've never experienced God's consolation. I, I don't even know how to pray. Like this is not, this is always going to be this way. It's never going to get any better. Like it colors all of it um, with these universal negatives. And you can, you can watch out for the universals when they start showing up in your, how you're talking about your spiritual journey at this time. There's, Let's see if there's a... Yeah, we'll move. Move to the next one. All right. Never change anything. Rule five. Rule six will pair up with rule five. And rule six says, although in desolation we should not change our first proposals, our prayer life, it is very advantageous to change ourselves intensely against the desolation itself. As by insisting upon more prayer, uh, meditation, upon much examination, and upon extending ourselves in some suitable way of doing penance. Uh, So these are, so never change your spiritual proposals. And rule six is change yourself against desolation. And by the way, these are the last things you want to do in the time of desolation. So <laughs> you're, you're not going to want to uh, pray more. So the very practical way of St. Ignatius talks about uh, by pray more. Let's say you have 15 minutes that you uh, devote or 30 minutes that you devote to it and you're in a spiritual desolation and you're trying to fight through this. By pray more, he means go a minute more. Go one minute more. And that's, that is an act of the will that will, that will help you in times of spiritual desolation. Uh, pray a little bit more. And then, of course, too, what he means is also pray for help from above. So ask the saints, your guardian angel, ask the Lord, uh, especially Our Lady, to help us be faithful in this time of spiritual desolation. So it's kind of a petitionary prayer to God in those moments so that we can, uh, that we will make it through it, and that we'll be uh, faithful to him. And he says... Pray more, or pray, uh, meditation. So, go to the, the scripture verse that you like the most. Um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Like, go to whatever it is that can bring you consolation in those moments. Maybe you go to the, the garden of, uh, the agony in the garden, and you meditate upon Jesus there himself going through, quite uh, frankly, the very powerful spiritual desolation in those moments uh, with what he was about ready to do. And so learn from that to go to those places in Scripture that speak to your heart. Remember, Scripture is God's very Word. And so when we read it, it's alive and active, and it has an effect on us uh, when we pray upon it. So meditation is help. Examination. So uh, I've got an example of that. This week has been about the examine prayer, right? And learning how to pray the examine prayer. 
Uh, and that's what he really means when he says examination. It's like, go to this examined prayer. What's going on? And there's a one here. It's kind of long, but I'll read it for you. Uh, Ray has long placed his faith at the center of his life, and in recent years especially has grown closer to the Lord. He rejoices in seeing that as a result of this spiritual growth, his love for his wife and children has deepened, and their family bond is now stronger. Each day as he rides the commuter train to work, he declares a few minutes, uh, he de- dedicates a few minutes to reading from Scripture. Today on his way to work, he finds himself distracted and ab- unable to read with attention or to reflect fruitfully. He arrives at work, and the busyness of morning envelops him, but he is also vaguely conscious of a certain interior malaise. While his fellow workers have no direct awareness of his deepening faith in the Lord, they have noticed a change in Ray recently and appreciate his ready smile and willingness to help. Today, however, he struggles even to be patient with them and only wishes the working hours to end. The lunch hour arrives. As the hour begins, Ray normally takes a few minutes alone in his office to lift his heart to God in prayer. Today, he feels no desire to pray and does not. Instead, he finds himself considering taking his meal in a nearby place where he knows the surroundings and the conversation are not conducive to his life of faith. Ray is on, point, on the point of leaving the office with the, this intention when suddenly he stops. He is aware that his heart is troubled, his distracted prayer on the train, his lack of willingness to assist his companions in the office, his omission of habitual prayer at his lunch hour begin. And now his readiness to follow what he knows is a temptation with potentially harmful consequences. All of these signal that something is spiritually amiss. Ray senses that he must address this. So what has happened uh, with Ray so far? He became aware, didn't he? It finally dawned on him like, hmm, what is going on here? All this stuff is, this is moving in the wrong direction. So he became aware and so he sits down to examine it and try to understand it. So he sits down at his desk in silence of his office, and he asks the Lord to help understand what is occurring within him. He remembers how only the day before he was happy and energetic in his service of the Lord and others at work and of his family. As he reflects, he is able to pinpoint the moment the change took place. That's the point of examination. Go back to where that was, if you can, and find what happened in this moment that all of a sudden desolation began to set in. Before leaving home, this was his moment. Before leaving home this morning, preoccupied with his preparations for work, he unthinkingly brushed aside a request for attention from his little son. His wife was present and Ray saw the hurt in her eyes, mirroring the hurt in those of his son. Rushed and impatient, he responded to neither and left for work. Ray perceives that this was the moment when he lost his peace. This was the origin of the malaise he had felt since and which was, has burdened everything thus far in the day, prayer, relationships at work, even the present decision regarding where he will take lunch. So, now he understands what's going on, right? It all starts to make sense, and he understands it. So with this new sense of clarity, uh, it lightens his heart already, and he grasps clearly what he must do. So he calls his wife and expresses his sorrow for his impatience that morning and for the hurt that he caused her and his son. Her joy in their conversation lifts his heart further. Second, he prays as usual in his office. So he goes back and he prays that time at the beginning of his office. And then 
Three, he rejects the thought of taking lunch in an inappropriate place and eats with his office companions as usual. Now he finds that his smile again comes easily and that his habitual willingness to assist the others, others has returned. So that's how to put into practice this number six. Uh, he, as soon as he just became aware, which is always important, becoming aware, then he's like, okay, I got to enter in and start doing some examination. And then he found it and he prayed for guidance. Um, and then he didn't change those things. He went back and began to pray uh, like he had always done uh, in those moments. So he took action to reject the thought to run away from uh, his time in the office. So there's a little question or way you can remember this. So it's called myself in desolation. Versus where we want to get myself reflecting on myself myself in desolation. So we want to begin to see in rule six that it's about recognizing I'm, I'm in desolation and then beginning to reflect on myself in desolation, to look at where is this coming from? What's going on? How do I combat it? Uh, and these little ways will be uh, very important in helping us to overcome spiritual death. I mean, sometimes it's literally just doing that and it goes away. Like he needed to apologize to his wife and, you know, and then say his prayer. And then he began to, it began to lift already. Um, it's a, it's a great thing that to be aware of it, to understand it, and then to take action, uh, like he did in that situation. And it'll change the day. Otherwise you're, it will go, continue to go in that way. Just this heavy, really heavy, uh, day of spiritual desolation. All right, so rule seven. Ignatius says, Let one who is in desolation consider how the Lord has left him in trial in his natural powers, so that he may resist the various agitations and temptations of the enemy, since he can resist with divine help, which always remains with him, though he does not clearly feel it. For the Lord has taken away from him his great fervor, abundant love, and intense grace, leaving him, however, sufficient grace for eternal salvation. So, Ignatius wants us to recognize that when we're in desolation, once we've put these other two in a place, we don't change anything. We, uh, we try to offer more prayer examination, try to figure out what's going on here. Uh, and then in Rule 7, he wants us to recognize how God has left us in this trial of our natural powers. And so he wants to help us resist this desolation, the, the work of the enemy in our life, because it strengthens us in doing it. Uh, consolation is easy, right? Uh, desolation is not so easy. And it strengthens us. It makes us more aware of what's going on uh, and how the Lord works versus how the enemy works. And so we need to remind ourselves that the Lord always gives us enough grace to resist. He gives us enough grace against temptations to say no. Uh, and so 
you know, I, I found that to be a very helpful rule in my own life. Like when you find yourself in a state of desolation, it's the, it's the universals that come up, right? Got no chance. I, I, I mean, I don't know what to do in this situation. You know, it's, it, all the extremes come out. And it's like, no, no, no. The Lord is at work in this. He is making me stronger. He's going to help me say no. And he's going to help me uh, progress through this to a stage that's even better, to a deeper trust in him at work. He always gives us enough grace for salvation, sufficient grace for eternal salvation, as Ignatius says it. Um, and that's... That's important. So there's uh, St. Angela of Foligno. Uh, she has a little story from one of her writings that uh, kind of sums up this number seven. She said, During this period I was in a state of great distress, for it seemed to me that I felt nothing of God, and I also had the impression that I was abandoned by Him, nor was I able to confess my sins, nor could I even praise God or remain in prayer. It seemed to me that all that was left of God in me was the conviction that I had not suffered as many trials as I deserved, and similarly, that I did, did not want to fall away from His grace by sinning. For all the good or evil or sufferings that, were, that the world has to offer, nor did I want to assent to any evil. I was in this intense and terrible state of torment for more than four weeks. Uh, so sometimes the, the saints go, uh, the Lord goes uh, pretty hard on uh, pr preparing them for the work that he has for them in it. So that, I mean, four weeks of that is, that's, that's pretty rough. All right. Uh, you know, I got a couple hours and I'm freaking out. So, um, but the Lord, but you see that one part in there where she said uh, that she deserved more trials than this uh, for her past sins or something, you know, make up for those. But also that I did not want to fall away from his grace by sinning. So for all the good or evil, or all the sufferings in the world, that whatever the world had to offer, she didn't want anything to do with sin or, or, uh, or committing sin or falling away from the Lord, even though she couldn't experience any of it at the time. That's number seven. God gives us sufficient grace to deal with the temptations and the spiritual desolation that we face. So we trust in Him in the midst of not being able to feel trust. That's the key of, of rule seven. Because he's always faithful. He's always there. I don't know how many times recently I get those Divine Mercy Minutes on uh, daily. From It's just a little section from St. Faustina's diary and a little prayer at the end. But I don't know. For the last week or so, so many of them were Jesus saying to St. Faustina in times of desolation. Uh, she, he's like, don't worry. I am with you. I am here. I am here. I mean, it was just over and over again. Do not fear. I am here. I never leave you. There was a couple of recently that I read in uh, the lives of the saints. So Saint Anthony of the Desert. Um, that guy. That's, that guy is pretty awesome. Um, so he was. He literally went out in the desert and lived in a cave. And some guy would bring him food like once a week. You know, some bread and water or something. Uh, and one night he literally got into a physical fight with demons and he got beat to a pulp. <laughs> and so uh, he was laying there basically in a coma and the guy came to give him food and he saw that he was, he, that he was dead. So he picked him up and put him on his shoulders and took him back to like civilization and began, realized he wasn't dead and began to kind of nurse him for about a week. And he woke up uh, finally and he said, take me back. 
And so he carried him back out. He wasn't even able to walk yet. Carried him back out, put him in there, and uh, then ensued again in the battle with the demons. And then won. Uh, well, because and this is the thing. After he, after they uh, scattered, he said, "Lord, I mean, where were you? Like, I'm, I'm getting pummeled here. What? I was calling on you. What's going on?" And uh, and he said to Anthony, he said, "Well, I'm right there with you." Like you didn't take any enjoyment in in like the the temptations that they sent your way, or obviously the physical beating, but uh, that doesn't happen very often, by the way. Um, you know, Padre Pio, these these people that have yeah, um, that's not a normal thing God allows at all. And uh, you get to that part, and he's like, I'm with you. I was with you the whole time. That's why you didn't and you didn't take any delight in the temptations that they sent your way. That's why everything was repulsive to you, is because I was with you. Um, so no fear. I'm with you, no matter what. Like what they can kill the body, but I don't let them. Uh, and then it's happened again, almost a thousand years later in the life of uh, St. Catherine of Siena, where she faced these interior trials of being attacked um, with these ruthless temptations, like extreme temptations for as advanced as she was in the spiritual journey. Um, and all she could do was just like abandon herself to the Lord and call on Him. And, and it was a, a good amount of time, you know, like some hours, that she faced these very difficult things that were allowed. And then at the end, she said, Lord, where were you? Like, I was calling on you. What, what, are, you, what are you doing? And uh, he said, well, I'm right there with you, right in, right in your soul. That, that's why you found them repulsive and you hated them and you took no delight in them because I was there with you. Uh, and, he, and he strengthened her for the rest of her mission as he strengthened Anthony of the desert for the next 80 years. That guy lived to like 106, but uh, eating bread and water once a week. So, all right. Um, and so you see in these, both of those stories too, like the Lord is always with us. We don't have to fear in time of spiritual desolation. We have to be strong in uh, uh, saying no to any changes and then changing ourselves against it through putting those things into practice and to recognize God gives me sufficient grace to make it through this. I don't need to worry. I need to trust in this moment. That trust is going to be strengthened through this very act. Uh, and then, which flows right into uh, Rule 8, which says, let no one, or let one who is in desolation work to be in patience. Not impatient, in patience. Uh, which is contrary to the vexations which come to him. And let him think that he will soon be consoled diligently using the means against such desolation as in the sixth rule. So, this flows right into it. Rule eight, ask the Lord for patience. Be patient. You realize this is not going to last forever. This is the up and downs of the spiritual journey. The Lord is strengthening me. He's purifying me. And it won't last forever. So be patient. Do the things in the rule six, and you will make it through this. Light will come again. Desolation wants you to think, this is it. This is how it's always going to be. And uh, what we have to say is, no, this is not it. The Lord will bring me through this as he always does. Now, many times in that um, scenario, it probably brings to mind something like St. Uh, Teresa of Calcutta, uh, who went you know, almost 50 years with like 
we might think of it as spiritual desolation, but it wasn't spiritual desolation. There's a difference between the dark night of St. John of the Cross and spiritual desolation. Spiritual desolation is always the work of the evil one. Always. The dark night is God's work. The dark night is an experience of infused contemplative prayer uh, that is dark, that is sometimes painful because it's a deep purification of what's going on in our life. It's, I mean, so, you, what was it? Was it yesterday? Be, no, is it today? I don't even remember what gospel I read this morning. Like, so is it, be perfect as the heavenly, your heavenly Father is perfect? That was today. Okay. How many, they all run, started running together. Um, so be perfect as your heavenly Father. To get heaven, in heaven, we have to be perfect. That means we've got to be purified of a lot of attachments and things throughout our life. So the dark night is how God does that. It is an experience of prayer, even though it's a very difficult experience of prayer, because basically it's kind of like God has revealed more of his light to you in that, and we're just not built to receive that. Uh, and so that purifies us and makes us more and more capable of receiving that in heaven. Um, plus, St. Teresa of Calcutta is a, not a normal circumstance. All right, uh, Normally, a dark night in that regard is going to be uh, not 50 years, but she did ask to suffer as those that she would serve, the poorest of the poor who didn't know God, who didn't have any faith. And so she did that, and you can tell it was a dark night of the soul because of the fruitfulness of her work. I mean, just spread almost immediately. The, and now there are thousands of these um, convents throughout the world taking care of the poorest of the poor. That's, that's obviously God's work. That doesn't happen if it's spiritual desolation. Did she experience spiritual desolation at times in there? I'm sure she did. Uh, but she fought against that. She never, she always trusted it in God. She said, I just, I give him all of this. I know somehow he's doing this, his work in me in this time. So any spiritual desolation, she put into practice all of these things and rejected that part of it. And if she said, if this is the Lord's will for me, then I embrace it and I carry my cross with him. Uh, so that's very quick, the difference between Spiritual desolation and a dark night. Dark night is God's work. Spiritual desolation is always the evil one's work. All right, so eighth rule. We want to be patient in this, knowing that this doesn't last forever. Consolation. I will soon be consoled, as Ignatius says. And in rule nine, St. Ignatius basically takes up the question, you know, if we're thinking about all of this, I mean, we've got a good and loving God uh, who loves us, then why in the world does this happen? Right? This is the question a lot of people have for uh, suffering or difficulty. Why does God allow the spiritual desolation to enter into our life? So he gives us three, three reasons um, that he sees from his experience. By the way, just to repeat... Uh, these are all born of Ignatius' own experience of prayer. So they're, that's why they're so practical. Um, eight, nine. So the first reason that he, that he mentions this, uh, God allows spiritual desolation, is that our, uh, our own spiritual exercises, our prayer life, has become... 
tepid, slothful, or negligent. So we all go through those ups and downs where prayer all of a sudden kind of starts to disappear uh, or it gets a little less than I have uh, kind of planned and, and promised to the Lord. And so this kind of uh, tepid, slothful, negligent to my spiritual journey has set in. So the Lord allows spiritual desolation to wake us up because it does wake, <laughs> wake us up. If there's anything, we, we can recognize desolation when it sets in. And so he, he allows it in his mercy to wake us back up to, I, get, I need to get back into my prayer journey. I need to get back into, you know, whatever it is, daily mass, uh, the examine, whatever things have kind of fallen by the wayside, I got to ramp it back up. That's God's call to us in that moment. So that's one reason that it happens. Another reason he allows spiritual desolation is to try us and test our motivations. If you read the scriptures, the Lord, it says, I don't know how many times it says it in there, but enough of like God always tries those he loves. Uh, the, the, the vine and the branches, right? Uh, the father prunes the branches so that they bear more fruit. This is a test, a uh, test of our motivations. Because sometimes in spiritual consolation, we can get attached to the spiritual consolation. That's, just, that's how we do it as humans, right? We get attached to things that are, this is nice. Um, and he doesn't want us to be attached to the spiritual consolations because that's his gift. That's not him. He wants us to be attached to him. And so he, he will purify that desire uh, to have spiritual consolation by allowing desolation to enter in and see, will, this, will, will they love me? Will they love me even without the feelings and the consolation that sometimes comes with prayer? And that's a, a powerful thing that will purify our hearts. And it will help us to be strengthened in our prayer. Um, it's, as, as anything, spiritual desolation is not easy. Uh, and so that's why it's good to recognize, like, oh, okay, maybe the Lord is trying me. Like, my prayer life is the same as what it, what it has been. I, it, I've discerned that well. Uh, maybe this is a test to strengthen me, to help me choose him in the midst of it being difficult to. It's kind of like, I mean, love is always like that, right? It's, love is a choice, and sometimes it's hard to choose to love someone uh, at certain times. And so we need to recognize that in that way, the Lord strengthens our will to choose him above other things, especially even above his gifts, such as spiritual consolation. And then he reminds us, the third reason Ignatius mentions is that he reminds us that it is a gift, that spiritual consolation is a gift. You know, if we always just have spiritual consolation, we can think, man, I am doing great. Like... This is this is pretty awesome. Like, look how good I am. God just gives me the spiritual consolation all the time. And then that little pride sets in, right? And that pride goeth before the fall. Uh, so the Lord takes it away at times and lets us experience spiritual desolation so that we know there's nothing we can do to earn it. It is literally a gift. All I can do is open myself to receive it by entering into a prayer life, 
by entering into a relationship with the Lord, and that anything that he gives me, it's all gift. Um, as a matter of fact, entering into the relationship with him in the first place is a gift. Like You just keep going back. It's all grace. And we just have to cooperate with it. Our job is to cooperate. His job is to do what he wants to do. <laughs> so we recognize this is all a gift. And, those th- and it, it, in my experience, it works. All right? the, the way these, these three things kind of sum up uh, the reasons that, that come about that help us to recognize. So by our own faults, there, the fruit of spiritual desolation, when we're faithful, will be conversion. Right, a deeper conversion. Now I got to get back into my prayer life. Uh, a trial or a test uh, will be learning. We're going to learn from that moment. Like, okay, um, the Lord has allowed this, and there's some reason. There's something He's purifying. Also, there's probably uh, something I'm going to learn about how the enemy works in my life, and so that I'll be able to combat him more and more, uh, and he'll never be able to to trick me. Uh, he's He's really intelligent, so he knows how to move around and trick us. And the Lord allows us to experience some of that so that we learn from it, and it doesn't happen anymore. We become more and more aware of uh, old red legs. i got to get him in at least once a, once a talk. And then we'll do uh, 10 and 11 real quick, and then we'll save the last three for next week. 10 and 11, they, they go together because it's uh, after explaining, okay, here are these things that I do whenever I'm in a state of spiritual desolation. What about when I'm in consolation? And he sees it as, again, we don't want to like take spiritual consolation as our work that has come to fruition or something. It's God's gift. Uh, or we don't want to get too... We don't get too high. So basically, these spiritual exercises, what you'll notice is they're helped. There's this ebb and flow of our spiritual journey, and it, what, he wants these to help us even out so that we be, we do, our highs are not as high and our lows are not as low. We become more and more even keel on the spiritual journey uh, and less, you know, I mean, the first time you experience spiritual desolation, having experienced spiritual consolation, you kind of freak out. You're like, what did, what did I do? What happened? You know, And so those highs and lows will become more and more even. And you'll, just, you'll be able to deal with spiritual desolation. You know, it's a normal thing. And you recognize in spiritual consolation, you put into rule, action rules 10 and 11, uh, which is in consolation, it's okay to absorb it, to thank God for it, to, to enjoy it, but also to look ahead for the next time I have spiritual desolation, I need to remember this moment as God is pouring his love into my heart. And you can recall many times um, in our past those moments of spiritual consolation so that that darkness isn't as dark. No, this is not the end of the story. Like, I remember just, you know, just last week that spiritual consolation, I know God's real, I know he loves me, and then you put into practice those things. So in the time of spiritual consolation, look forward to, okay, the next time I'm in desolation, I'm going to remember this moment and how God was loving me in this moment. And then rule 11 is to, again, so important, humility, to receive consolations with humility. 
remembering how little I can do when I'm in a time of spiritual desolation. Uh, I'm literally helpless in a time of spiritual desolation, so it's obviously not my merits that are getting this spiritual consolation. So I should be humble in that moment and recognize this is just a great gift from the Lord, and I thank Him for it. I allow Him to do His work, and it strengthens me to resist the enemy uh, whenever that spiritual desolation shows up again. Those are the two rules that deal with spiritual consolation in view of spiritual desolation. Um, because that's the, the difficult part of the spiritual journey is what to do with spiritual desolation. Any uh, questions on those? We'll get 12, 13, and 14 next week. Those take a little different flavor than these first 10, or first 11. Those three are about how the enemy works. All right. Yeah. This, this week, I believe it was Thursday because I looked it up, the gospel at Mass was the ask, seek, and knock. And the reading in spiritual exercises was ask, seek, and knock. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool because there's no way to plan that. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty neat... You know, I think he did, he did set these eight days up for these weeks. Oh, he did. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he might... And, and lit never changes their reading. So, so I drew my consolation from a little extra. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was a surprise. Well, you know, it's pretty cool. I mean, I did notice that. And I was like, mm, well, I mean, maybe you didn't. <laughs> maybe you didn't set it up. But, uh, and so this week, I think we're going in. So being aware uh, of these rules are going to be helpful because entering into this week, it's all about sin. And uh, so not, not to let spiritual desolation creep in whenever you think about uh, our sins when we think about how we failed like that's not what God wants that's not how he how he operates uh, we recognize it and we've been forgiven we recognize that we um, offer penance in uh, reparation for our past sins and things like that that is a really good and important thing to do but discouragement despair none of those things are from God that's not how he works that's that spiritual desolation so immediately be aware of it, understand it, reject it, and keep moving through. It's a good thing. It's not easy. It's a good thing to pray through uh, our sins and how God has treated us with such mercy and, and that because there's a lot of healing that comes about through that. So these are, I think, good rules to have going into this week of, of prayer. Um, and then next week, we'll be in one of these rooms over here. So I'll have to find out why they were going long. We, they, we were a little bit later because Scott added on several places. So uh, we got a little ah. longer than normal. I'm supposed to apologize to you for that. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I'm in this room. I don't mind this room. It's not bad. Um, but So we'll be in one of these rooms over here next week. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's finish with a little prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you to help us enter into this uh, coming week with great joy and trust in the power of your Holy Spirit at work in our life. May you continue to bring us along this spiritual journey and this journey of prayer that you have us on. Continue to strengthen us against spiritual desolation and help us to combat it using these rules of Ignatius. And we just ask Our Lady to wrap us in her mantle and to protect and guide us always into that deeper relationship with her son. 
And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks, everybody.